Welcome to King's Touch Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. Shall we turn to the scriptures, to the book of Matthew? Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16. We read from verse 13 and onwards. Matthew chapter 16. Are you there? Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answering said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May God bless his word. Amen. Um, incredibly, incredibly profound uh, uh, reading right there. When Jesus was just alone with his disciples, there wasn't anyone else. It was just him and his disciples. And that day, it was there was no crusade. There was no non-believer. It was just Jesus and the believer. And I don't know what motivated the question, but I believe that the question was relevant to the time, as it is relevant to the time now. And he asked them, remember, these guys had been born again for about only three years. They'd been walking with Jesus for only three years. And Jesus asked them a question and said, who do men say? that I am and the answers were many because there was a controversy on the streets and the contradiction that Jesus had become a controversial issue or person of his day and time and men did not understand fully who he was many of them thought he was what he wasn't so they all came to a conclusion but all their conclusion wasn't really typically out of range. But then it wasn't quite what it was. Because some said he was John the Baptist. Others said he was Jeremiah. Others said he was one of the prophets. And hearsay was all over the place. And the disciples had been, happen- had been listening to the news. You see, there is the news out there that the enemy makes sure you get to hear. News that doesn't really define who you are. News that could be misleading. And so, as a believer, you need to come into a place where you're not driven by what men say because men have many things to say. And if you listen to them, you will lose your way because the enemy is deceptive in nature and he comes very close to what is true. That is what deception means. 
something that is so close to the truth and actually has an element of truth, but it's not exactly true. It sounds so true that it is convincing. Philosophies of men. And so they said, you are this, you are that, you are that. None of it was really his identity. Now, this is why you cannot allow the world to define you. This is why you cannot allow people to define you. You've got to let God do the defining. And he said, who do you say I am? So he turns away from what people are saying. He turns to them and he asks them a very personal question. And he said, so that, that is what people are saying. So if that is what people are saying, what do you know? So he checked up on their knowledge. He said, who do you say that I am? And there was silence. The first question had many answers. And the second question, there was silence. Nobody said anything until Peter broke the silence and he said you are the christ the son of the living god jesus looked at peter and he said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven in other words in that moment of silence when everyone went quiet peter by some grace received a revelation from heaven in other words, something he didn't know was revealed to him. And I say that it is apart from the revelation that comes from God, it is impossible for men to know God. So God has got to reveal himself to you in order for you to know him. But you've got to yield yourself so that you're ready to receive the revelation. Peter positioned himself i don't know how but something between him and his spirit or between him and the spirit of god walking in him caused him to be alert to something that was coming from heaven and he received a revelation an unveiling that came to him at that moment and he spoke it and jesus let him know this was not ordinary this was not of man it wasn't flesh and blood church listen to me apart from the holy spirit we cannot know jesus apart from god we cannot know jesus so when we come to the presence of god we have to approach him in a in a humble way so that he may teach us we have to be ready to be taught to receive, to understand, to take in, to absorb what exactly the Lord is saying to us. Because he does have a particular message that he wants to communicate to you so that you could be strengthened by the same message. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. And he said, I say, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. When God's children begin to walk by revelation, they begin to penetrate or get into levels of understanding and knowing God that they could not have known just because they attended church. It gets to a place where it is personal. You have to connect to God yourself, not because you came to church. I tell people all the time, just because you came to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than if you slept in a garage, you become a car. Oh, wait, wait, wait. If you sleep in a garage, you don't become a, a car. Neither do you become bread if you sleep in a bakery. As wonderful as going to church is, you need to get personal with the Christ. You need to want to know who he is. And Jesus was actually taken up by what Peter said. 
And the revelation that Peter had just given was going was to be the basis upon which the church would be built. In other words, if it was the basis upon which the church would be built, it is still the same basis upon which the church will be built. The church cannot be built on a measure of entertainment. The church cannot be built by superstars. The church will not be built by a lot of money. We need to have our foundation fixed right and the cornerstone fixed right in order for the building to stand. He said that based upon this revelation, the thing that you received from God is what we will use, I will use to build my church. He said, you are the Christ. That word Christ simply means Messiah. It means the anointed one and his anointing. The word Christ is not the second name of Jesus. It is a title of function. The anointed one and his anointing. The Messiah, the Savior. As Christ is standing in an office. To deliver the world from wickedness. You are the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. In other words, the one who goes out giving out the anointing. The one who empowers and equips and builds people. He said, I will build my church. Now the word church, it comes from that Greek word ecclesia, which simply means the gathering of those that are called out or an assembly of people that have been called out, set apart and separated for a special cause. So the word ecclesia, which is those that are called out, that is what defines what the church is. And he said, I will build my ecclesia. I will build those that I have called out. So when he was talking about building his church, he wasn't talking about a particular building. He was talking about a particular people. Those that have uh, repented of their sins. Those that have left behind their old wicked ways. Those that have walked away from darkness and the devil and demons and the ways of old. Those that have showed fruit of repentance those that have come to the foot of the cross and said from today I choose to turn from my wicked ways I turn to Jesus I give him my life I give him my body I give him everything those that have decided to make Jesus Christ Lord of their lives those are the ones that he refers to as the church you don't become part of the church because you go to a particular assembly. You don't become a part of the church because you, go, you belong to a particular denomination. Denominations may make sense to human beings, but denominations is not the making of God. Denominations may help men to, uh, to place, to put a certain order, but in the order of God, in the realm of the spirit, he does not respond to you because of a certain... Uh, a denomination that you come from or because your bishop wears a big cross on his neck he doesn't respond to that he responds to a people that have believed in him and showed faith in his name and come to the saving knowledge of his grace those are the ones that he calls his church so, excuse me if I don't sound politically correct, but not everybody is part of the church. They may have gone to Bible school and uh, they may have gone to schools of theology and uh, they have all manner of degrees more than a thermometer. It doesn't make them called out. It doesn't mean they are believers. It doesn't mean they belong to him. They may be reverends and uh, they may be priests and they, they may wear colors or white or blue or green or whatever the color is. It doesn't make them, it doesn't mean they belong to Jesus. 
The Bible says he knows his people. And Paul said, I know him whom I have believed. The world wants us to be, uh, to water down our mindset, our, 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 our belief system and believe anything and uh, accommodate anything and uh, take anything. We don't take anything as long as he has not commanded us to because by, the, by us becoming his people, he becomes our Lord and our captain. He becomes our master and our leader, our guide and the one we look up to and therefore if he didn't say it, we don't do it and we are not apologetic about it. You will excuse me, but that is the news. We follow him. We are loyal to him. We belong to him. We have only one leader, one master, one guide. It is not the queen. It is not the president. It is not the, it is, it is, the, it is not the politi political leader. It is the Christ. Let us not mix up. If you're going to walk with him, you have to distinguish yourself. That the world wants you to take on a watered down version or definition of what Christianity is. The world wants you to walk like the like the world but he says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and the acceptable will of God so there is what God accepts as his will and that is what we should accept hello we have to clearly understand the importance of our relationship with Jesus Christ in this world right now. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are in this world, but we don't belong to the systems of this world. The systems of this world are anti-Christ. The systems of this world don't want you to get closer to Christ. And so sometimes you have to determine to go against the world. Always actually go against the world to be for Christ. When I say world, I'm talking about a mode of operation. I'm talking about a way of life. I'm talking about a system, a mindset, a way of functioning that is deluded from God, that is, uh, that is separated from God, that is opposite of what God desires and wants, that is rebellious to God. Before the church can rise up to do the great work that God has. The church has to clearly understand its position in this world. That this world will pass away. There will be a time that nothing in this world functions. And the only thing that will make sense is whether you believed or you didn't. So, we cannot even begin to debate on what to believe because we have already been clearly told what to believe. There are those who want to make the objective word of God subjective. To turn the meaning of the word to mean anything they want it to mean. But we understand that the word only means what the Christ wanted it to mean. And it cannot be taken any other way. This is the assembly of those that are called out. In other words, this is the assembly of those that Christ looks to as his people. And anyone elsewhere that has showed faith in Christ is who belongs to the Lord. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, he said, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. 
with your head having on the 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 helmet of salvation and your your chest with the breastplate of righteousness and uh, your your waist with the belt of truth and your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace take on the shield of faith wherein you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god he said i will build my church christ is interested in his people and he has not relinquished his authority over them to the devil to the pope or to any other person to a bishop or to any other person the authority of the church is not with a prophet the authority with the church is with christ the authority of the church belongs to christ alone and everyone else must submit to that structure That is the acceptable structure. Everybody must function out of that structure. From there on, we can function. Because we belong to him. He is Lord completely. I will build my church. God is busy working on his people. He's busy structuring them. He's busy building uh, uh, their spiritual lives and their spiritual experiences so that they may relate to him in every experience that they have. What about this generation that their greatest desire is to know my prophet, my apostle, and not my Christ? If your prophet or your apostle gets you to know more about him than, than about Christ. He's not from God. The man or the woman who leads you must lead you to Christ and cause you to desire to be more like Christ, to love Christ more, to fall in love with him completely and to want to follow only him. Anyone who takes you away unto their gift, unto themselves, anakupotosha. He doesn't share his glory. Hallelujah. What is the future of the church? Does the church have a future at all? In such unprecedented times, when change is happening so quick and so fast, what does it mean for the church? Is that the end of the church? Are we to be shut up because of all these policies that the world is coming up with to shut the church up? Everything right now will be thrown and targeted at the church. But this is the time when actually the Lord is beginning to work like he has never worked before. Because the devil is trying the best that he can do. And we're going to see the grace of God like we have never seen it before. Every generation has experienced changes. Every generation has gone through its fair share. But the church in this season is going through what the church has not been through in a long time. But I'm telling you something. That whatever the world does whatever the devil does the church will still be here growing stronger growing bigger and growing better that will be our testimony because the church is not another man's plan it is the lord's plan there are many people in the history 
of life that have tried to shut the church and kill it. There are emperors like Nero that burned the city, burned Christians. Yeah, There are others who came up and did worse, killed Christians, shed their blood, got their books, burnt their books, went to their homes and their houses, tore their houses up, burnt them up, arrested the people, shed innocent blood. And over the years, the blood of the saints will be a long river. But I'm telling you something. That the church is still here. And those names are no more. And the church will continue to be here because it's not the good idea of another man. When all these emperors came to, um, to oppress the church, eventually God re re uh, uh, he raised up a man called Constantine. And at that point he came. It was a turning point for Christianity. That Christianity thrived at his time. Laws were changed. And great things began to happen. Every now and then change comes. And every time change comes, the church rises above the change. How should we re respond to all this change coming? What do we do? Remember, God has not left us alone. He's building, he's structuring He's doing his work while we seek for his wisdom and pursue his grace and pray fervently. We, we need to understand that he will give us counsel and he will give us guidance. In this day, you've not been left without the counsel of God. You will not be left without the guidance of God. He will continue to guide you. His ability in you his ability in us will cause us to always come out as victorious, on top, as triumphant. We will walk being above only and not beneath. Being the head and not the tail. Being the first and not the last. Because of his grace, we will always win. Get used to winning. Get used to living that kind of life. Get used to victory after victory. The devil will not dictate the terms. The Lord is in control. The Lord is in charge. Amen. The church is God's own idea. It is rooted. And what we need to do is what he said in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And verse 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received him? Come on, have you received him? Yes. He said, as you have therefore received him, then he gives you an instruction. And the instruction is, so walk in him. If you have received him, then you... Walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. Remember he's the builder. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. In other words, you're not shaking. You're not, you're not, you're not fearing. You're not regretting. You're not weak and wimpy. You're not running. You are strong and steadfast. You are established. You are confirmed. Strong. Built, established in the faith. Those that are established in the faith know whom they have believed. They know the confession they have made. They know why they have believed. And they're not shaken. That's why he said, I said you are Peter. He was Simon. But then the Lord said, now you are Peter. 
Simon means a reed in water. And the reed is shaky. When the wind blows, the reed shakes. When the waves flow, it shakes. Have you seen those shaky Christians who don't know what they believe? When they're in church, they're real straight. They're wonderful. They look good. They look wonderful. The moment they go into the world and they ask one question and they stammer and they stumble and they, they, they end up even almost denouncing him. But when a real believer stands up, they don't bite their tongue. Under no circumstance will you shake them because the Lord will give them an answer for every question that is asked. If they asked you a question and you're a believer, you have an answer for it. Because he said on that day, do not have to, you do not have to look for the answer. He said the Holy Spirit will give you an answer and what you will say. And sometimes the best answer for critics is to say nothing. Like sometimes they would ask Jesus a question and the Bible says, and he'd answer them, not a word. Even that is an answer. And he answered them, not a word. He said we must be established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in him with thanksgiving. That means without the right teaching, people will not be established in the faith. Every time there is error, God releases teachers. Every time there is a lack of depth, God releases teachers who have a sound word to come and deliver to his people so they can learn and desire to be even as God says. I once asked myself and I said, Lord, there is there's so much error in the prophetic right now. Why don't you raise up even more profound prophets? And the Lord spoke to me and said, my answer to prophetic error isn't really a higher level of the prophetic. It is a higher level of teaching. When people are confused, they need someone to explain to them the precepts and the concepts so that their perception can change and they turn from error. So he said, abounding there as you have been taught. The church needs a level of teaching that will keep them on the path to realize that their work is to be rooted in Christ, to walk in Christ, and to hold on to him. Growing in their relationship with Christ, the church must understand that their primary responsibility is to actually grow their relationship with Christ on a daily basis. That's why the Bible tells us in Colossians as well. Let's go to verse 8 of the same. Beware. After he tells you all these things to be rooted and to walk in him, then now he gives you a warning. And he says, Beware. Lest anyone, did he say anyone? Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. That means if, if you hear the words and the teachings and, and all these motivational speaking and the words look so good and they sound so nice and so wonderfully crafted, if they are not according to Christ and they don't take you closer to Christ than disregard as just philosophies and empty deceit.
People will pay a lot of money to go listen to a motivational speaker. Get out of there and their life still not changed. The power to transform you is not with someone who is carrying a motivational briefcase. The power to transform you is with the Christ himself. He's the one that has the power to change your life. It is him that is building you. That's why Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he says, He that began a good work in you will be faithful to bring this work to the very end till the day of Christ Jesus. His commitment to you to build you to a place where you are empowered is exceptional. We will laugh at the world because at the end of the day, Christ will have the last say. Amen. He said, be rooted in him, established in the faith. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, what, what else would you want out of him? I mean, it's the coolest thing to be in him because... I mean, the embodiment of the supernatural is in him and in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead and he is in you. Oh, glory to God. Which means as a believer, as a body of believers, you are actually the embodiment of the Godhead. You carry with you the, 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 the Christ, you carry with you the spirit, you carry with you the father. Verse number 10. And you are complete, oh dear. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Out of Christ, there is no power that will sustain you because he is the head of all principality and power, which simply means all the angels put together, demons, Witches, he is their head. They're all under him. So there is not a single demon, devil, or witch anywhere in this world that is more powerful or nearly even as a believer that has Christ in them. Fear should depart from your life. Embrace the spirit of boldness to know that God has given you the necessary equipment. He has equipped you with his wonderful Holy Spirit. He has given you his wonderful word. He has given you his power. The challenge is you want to feel it. When you don't feel it, you think you don't have it. It's not in the level of feelings. It's in the level of faith. If you believe it, then you have it. If you believe it, then you can take it. If you believe it, then you can do it. It is yours for a taking because you believe what he said. And when you believe what he said, the manifestation of what he said will happen in your life and through your life. Fear is not part of you. That's why he clearly told you that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't understand when a believer needs to go and see a psychologist or a, a mental doctor. And, and, and I'm not disregarding those. They have their place. I'm just saying a believer has a sound mind. You have a sound mind. You're not going to get a sound mind. You have a sound mind. Don't allow the devil to interrupt the soundness of your mind by telling you you don't have a sound mind. You say, but if I have a sound mind, where am I hearing voices? 
you need to define yourself by what he said, not by what you're saying. You're saying you are hearing. And he said, you have a sound mind. Whose report will you believe? When you begin to believe what God said, you begin to go against every experience that you're experiencing. Is how you kick out that experience is by believing what he said. I have a sound mind and there's nothing the devil can do out of, uh, about it. I have the spirit of power, not the spirit of poverty. I have love. That means I can love the unlovable because I have the love of God shared abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's profound. I can love anyone because I have it in me. And God has already given that to me. He didn't say beg for it and he will give it to you. He didn't say try to ask for it and fast five days and you will get it. There are things you can fast for. But there are others you just have to walk in. I have a sound mind. Therefore, I can judge soundly. I know the difference between things because my mind has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is a transformed mind. I don't operate out of a conformed mind and mentality. I operate out of a transformed mindset. Meaning I have the ability to achieve everything that he said I can achieve. I have the ability to exhale and uh, uh, be above only all the time. Always, not sometimes. You say, but pastor, what are you talking about? That thing has, I don't know what that means. Come into a place where you can believe what I'm telling you right now. It's for free. You don't have to pay for it. Glory to God. In you is the embodiment of the Godhead. You are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. You see, the idea of people thinking they are half is an idea that is against the word of God. <laughs> I am half of this. I can't even be half of what that person is. If you can be the fullness of what Christ wants you to be, why do you look to be half of what someone is? Be all he wants you to be and not less. You are not half of anything. You are complete in him and the fullness of him is in you. It's not going to be in you. It is in you. That's the way of the believer. That's what the believer has to believe. And that's why they are believers. We are referred to as believers because our lifestyle is a lifestyle of believing. If you can get someone to believe it, you can get them to receive it. That's why our way is called the great confession. We believe and we confess. It is the great profession. We are walkie talkies. We walk the talk and talk the walk. You cannot receive what you have not believed. You cannot walk in what you do not confess. It is an eternal part of your life. What you believe and what you speak. In fact, what you believe you will always speak. For we have believed, therefore we speak. They also have believed, therefore they speak. He said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you have been filling yourself with is what you will begin to speak. If you filled yourself with the fact that your mind is corrupted, you will begin to speak corrupted words because your mind is twisted. 
But even if you are struggling with a corruption of mind and you begin to believe that you have a soundness of mind, what you believe will institute what was and what you said will become what is. Mm. Pay no attention to what you do not want to see in your life that is still clinging on to your life. Pay more attention to what the Lord said about you. If you pay attention to what he said about you, you will come out of every situation that was that, that sin that so easily does be entangle you. You will come out of it because you believed the greater word, the greater power, the greater grace, and you will come out of the lesser things. The power of Christ operating in you is stronger than the ability of the devil trying to corrupt you. That's why David, in his struggle, in his youth age, in his youthfulness, he asked God a question. He said, how shall a young man keep his way pure? Because purity is paramount to, the, to your walk with God. He said, by taking heed according to your word. Which means as David struggled, he believed the word as well. He said, I, 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 I know, I see this struggle, but I believe what the Lord said. You begin to believe what God said and you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. The salvation is inside. You work it out. What the Lord has done is inside you. Work it out. That's the greatest the Lord could do. To work it in you. For it is him that works in you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure in you. Good pleasure in you. Then you work out your salvation. Work out your miracle. Work it out. I work it out with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I work it out with Christ. He is my provider, my Lord, my shield, my savior, my rock. He's building me. He's walking in me. He's shaping me. He's molding me. I'm working it out. You're in luck, God is your provider. You're sick, God is your healer. You're confused, he is your guide. You're in darkness, he is your light. You're fearful, he is your strength. He says, trust in him with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He said, I will teach you and instruct you in the way you should go. Yea, I will guide you with my eye. Then he says, do not be like the horse and the mule that have to have its mouth bridled and back beaten. In other words, respond to his leading. Glory to God. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. When we talk about the gates of hell, we're talking about the points of entry, the access points from hell. Hell has access points. It releases its attacks. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, the policies of hell, the powers of hell, his plots and his schemes, his ways and his attacks, they will not prevail. However they come, whether they come through an institution or they come through a person or they come through a, doesn't matter who they come through. He said they will not prevail. As a matter of fact, there are things that God wants to do with, with you in this place. Every time an attack comes your way, stay cool, stay calm, relax. 
He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let God vindicate you so much so that everybody wonders how you came out of it. You know, when God walks in your life, it makes it very easy for you to share your faith. You need to expect God to walk because he's doing something in your life. He says, I walk till now and my father walks. John 5, 17. I walk till now and my father walks. So he has not stopped walking. He's still walking. And he will continue to work in your life and for you. God is for you. God is on your side. You know, when you have the wrong mentality of who God is, you become more fearful. Now you fear the devil and you fear God and not the healthy fear. So on this side, you think God is waiting to beat you up because you made the mistake. And on the other side, you know that you're in trouble, trouble with the devil. I want you to realize that you have the definition of love itself. And that is the God you believed. There is no situation in your life that he's willing to leave you to go through alone. In every situation, he will walk in your life until you have the necessary strength to overcome the same situation so that you could help somebody else who has a struggle so that you could tell them how to overcome that struggle. Mm -hmm. If you haven't been through it, you may not help someone go through it. Yeah. But if you go through it, when you find someone who is going through it, right. you will take them through the steps of how to walk out of there because you know, I've been here and I overcame. I know how it feels. I know what it's like. If I overcame and I am like this, you will overcome. Somebody needs to know how they will overcome. You need to be the post to tell them they can overcome, they will overcome, and they, they, they can overcome, and that it is well with them. You need to be that encourager who will encourage somebody else that doesn't know what to do as they're growing up and being built in Christ. You need to be the help that God will use you and use your experience as ugly as you thought it was. What the devil meant for God for, for bad, the Lord will turn it on for good so that you can use it as a testimony to tell others about Jesus. When a blind man says, I was blind, but now I see, that's a personal testimony and you cannot refute it. You can have a theological argument, but then you can't argue the blindness of the man who now sees. When when he says I was deaf but now I hear you can have a discourse of whether God heals or not but how this man got his hearing back you cannot tell and therefore he has an experience to tell you about a God you know nothing about because he had a personal experience so what you're going through does not scare God <laughs> he's not scared of what you're going through <laughs> Holy Spirit did you see what that girl is going through it's even not there in the book and say well I think it's in page 17 look then no it's not there God is not scared of your weakness because he knows the power to transform you into what he wants you to be. That is the gospel. The good news that God can transform a wicked man to become a righteous man. Did you know that in Adam all humanity sinned without committing sin? And in Christ. All humanity became righteous who believed in Christ without committing righteousness. You are righteous because you believe, not because you do. And because you believe, you will begin to do. 
The doing does not come before. The believing comes before. When you believe it, then you'll be able to do it. So nothing that you experience that confuses you, nothing that you go through that leaves you wondering eludes Christ. He has already made provision knowing that even if you went through it, he knows how to get you out. The Bible says for with every temptation, he has given you a way of escape. He's working on you. You are work in progress. Have you ever been to a road and the road is being fixed? Usually they put that signpost there. Work in progress. Or men at work. So right now there's a signpost on some of your doors. Man at work. And the man is Christ. He's working. He's doing something. And the next level, there will be transformation. Not just a shift, not just a change. Transformation. In other words, the you before and the you after, two different people. Two different people. So never allow the devil to define you. Never allow the world to define you. Let God do the defining himself. When God defines you, you will be so good, so good, that the, those who look at you will be amazed at what they're looking at. They will ask, is this the same person? Is he the one? Because when God does a work, he does a thorough work. Thorough work. He doesn't say, let me do some of it and leave some of it for next time or leave some. God does a work so clean, so smart, so excellent, so pure. Because even the spirit of excellence is the spirit of God himself. Do you know, as a matter of fact, I pray that from today you will begin to operate in the spirit of excellence. Excellence is not an event. Ah... Uh, you look at it and say it's excellent no that is a manifestation of what a spirit did I pray you begin to walk in the spirit of excellence in the name of Jesus he's building you to be better he's building you to take your position he's building you to do his work with excellence because he's giving you every equipment. He's giving you the ability to love a broken world. And while you're loving a broken world, he's fixing what you think is broken on you. Uh. He's fixing you and helping you to fix others. The world is so broken, it will not function right without Christ. It will not function right without believers. We make this place a better world. Did you know when the Lord looks at this world, you're the one that comes into his mind? In a certain capacity... There is what he has built you and empowered you to solve. So can you believe that you are actually a walking solution to somebody's question? You are not part of the problem. You are part of the solution. He will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. All the cultural trends that suggest anything that is against Christ will not prevail. Glory to God. 
all the misconceptions and the biased malice that people have will not prevail. Nothing that this world tries to do will prevail against what Christ has decided to do in and through your life. And that's why he said in Isaiah 54, 17, he said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Ours is to hold fast to his mission. He's building you so you can go build others. He's sending you into this world so you can take his message out. In different ways, we are built to take the message out. And some of you might be through poetry, but you take the message out because his message of the good news is in that poetry. And some of you, it might be through business associations, but embodied in your business abilities is engrafted the good news of Jesus Christ. And so your business uh, your, your, your business ability is the platform that Jesus will use to bring someone else in the business arena from the marketplace to Christ Jesus. And some of you, it might just be your ability to imagine things. Your creative ability. God will use what you have, what he has given you. Just like Moses stood at the Red Sea, confused, wondering, what do we do? And the Lord asked him, he said, what is that in your hands? And he said, it is a rod. And he said, stretch it. And the Bible says it was the rod of Moses. But the next time you read about it, the Bible says, and the rod of God. So the rod of Moses became the rod of God. And God used it to split the Red Sea. To do the impossible. I want you to be so ready for the impossible becoming possible. So much that you walk in the realm where nothing is impossible with God. And nothing is impossible unto him that believes. Those are the two people that will do impossible things. One, God and two, the believer in God. You up your game of faith. And simply begin to believe his word. To a point that when you see something that looks impossible. You hold yourself and say that looks like a job for my God. Start, start trusting God to do impossible things start trusting God to do things that are so big when people hear you they think you're ridiculous an incredible miracle will always happen to a radical believer God is working and he works at his supernatural level. He works so that your life will become so good that it will become the mark of goodness. He works in your life so that it is at its best. This world needs some believers who are radical enough to believe exactly what Christ said. I like the three Hebrew boys. When they were told they were going to be thrown into the fire, they said, O king, just so you know, we're not going to bow. And he said, 
even if you throw us into the fire and he does not show up, we will still not believe. We'll still not bow. Even if he does not show up, we will still not bow. But when they were thrown in there, the fourth man showed up. And the Bible says he looked like the son of God. Even the people who are looking at them in the fire, they could see that there's a situation in there and somebody in there looks like the son of God is working. Do you know how much that will help you to just not live a life of fear? Some of you just need to resign from fear. Resign and tell fear, I resigned from being your CEO. I resigned. Hmm? You know, some people are expert fearers, eh? If they are professional fearers, if, if that even is an English word. They fear until the, they fear fear itself. Do you know some people are even afraid that they're not afraid? They fear that they're not fearing. So, oh my God, I'm not fearing. What's happening? Something must be wrong. <laughs> because fearing has become such a normal part of life that the first reaction to any action, to anything, is a response of fear. Anything happens, fear. Everything about them is shaking. Train yourself not to be afraid. Train yourself not to fear anything. If he said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And he said that the, he said the gates of hell shall not prevail. Then it shall not. It shall not. He said nothing shall by any means hurt you. If he said nothing then nothing. Don't let the devil preach to you what if. You know that what if gospel? But what if? And you say, hmm, it makes sense. What if? What if? Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.